The purpose of this program is not to prescribe a treatment to individuals. Listeners should consult their health care practitioner before attempting any treatment. Hello, welcome to Health Watch. I'm Dr. David Naiman, your host. Today's guest is Dr. Joel Furman, an international authority in preventing and reversing disease through nutrition. He's the author of numerous bestsellers, including Eat to Live, Super Immunity, and The End of Diabetes. He's a graduate of the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine and serves on the boards of multiple research and health associations, including that of Whole Foods Market. Dr. Furman is here today to talk about his latest book, The Eat to Live Cookbook, 200 Delicious Nutrient-Rich Recipes for Fast and Sustained Weight Loss, Reversing Disease, and Lifelong Health. Welcome to Health Watch, Dr. Joel Furman. Oh, thank you. I'm excited about being here today. So for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with Eat to Live, your book that the cookbook is is, uh, is based on in philosophy, can you give us a quick nutshell on, on the core philosophy of Eat to Live? Sure. And, you know, it's based on what I call a nutritarian diet, which means a diet that's naturally high in phytochemicals and antioxidants and micronutrients. You know, in other words, the American diet is now 55% of calories from processed foods like white bread and oil and sugar and crack, break, you know, um, crackers and rice cakes and breakfast cereals and soft drinks and about 30% of calories from animal products and the amount of non-white potato vegetation Americans are eating less than 5% of total calories and that amount leaves them immunosuppressed and exposed to, of course, cancer and heart disease and creating inflammation. But what makes um, this science somewhat unique is that, um, is that when your diet is richer in micronutrients, it reduces appetite and derails food addictions and food cravings, driving people to overeat. So that a diet that's based on the healthiest foods on the planet is not just preventative against heart attacks and strokes and dementia and cancer, it's also therapeutically effective to reverse disease and therapeutically effective to control addictions and the overdrive to control, control, consume calories. Um, and the sec, besides eating a diet, you know, rich in those, you know, vegetables, besides having a high intake of, you know, natural foods like greens and beans and onions and mushrooms and berries and, you know, seeds and nuts, besides a high intake of natural plant foods, we also want to minimize foods that push hormones, that promote fat growth, and promote cancer, and that's predominantly insulin and IGF-1, which is insulin-like growth factor 1. So as you eat more sweets and processed foods, it raises insulin, and insulin is, we, we say it's pro-angiogenic, means it promotes the growth of new blood vessels to fuel new fat, and it promotes fat storage on the body. And in doing so, it promotes cell proliferation in general, which, is, which stimulates cancer growth. Likewise, um, IGF-1, insulin-like growth factor 1, is stimulated by um, a diet that has a lot of biological high animal protein. In other words, the, when your diet goes over a certain level in high biological protein, your body produces more IGF-1, stimulates growth hormone. Again, angiogenesis promoting, it helps store fat, it helps promote cellular proliferation and cancer. And it's this sandwich, this American sandwich of like white bread and a burger and macaroni and cheese and ham and, you know, on a, on, you know so the whole, this idea of we're eating foods 
that couldn't, I always joke around, I say that this diet style couldn't be better designed by Al-Qaeda to create an epidemic of cancer and heart attacks and strokes and dementia. It's perfectly designed to be deficient in nutrients and to promote the hormones that are so dangerous for, to, for our protection. Now, on the upside is, I'm saying that with superior nutrition, we can win the war against these diseases that afflict them, that, that damage and kill and cause terrible tragedy with most Americans. And we don't have to have heart attacks and strokes, and we don't have to. And we can win the war on cancer in America. And that nutritional science has made exponential advances in recent years, giving us tremendous power to be healthier, live longer, and without these tragedies than ever, than ever before. And then getting back to you know what I'm here for is my Eat to Live cookbook is really working with world-class chefs and, and um, over the years the experience of people to recognize that, um, that healthy foods don't have to take a second seat with regard to pleasure or taste. We can have great tasting delicious foods as well as protect our health at the same time. So that's essentially a, you know, a nutshell of my mission, I guess. That's a pretty good job in, in five minutes. So, so tell us um, what has changed in the science in the 10 years between your book, Eat to Live, and your new book, Eat to Live Cookbook. Well, I think a lot has changed in recent years. We could name some, you know, some of the things we were talking about, and that's the, um, that certain foods have, you know, we touched about insulin and IGF-1 being growth-promoting, fat-promoting on the body and promoting cancer. Likewise, we're finding these new, the advancements in nutrition has shown that certain foods have angiogenesis-inhibiting effects, have retard cellular proliferation, and prevent fat growth. And I call those foods my G-bombs. I say G-bombs for superior immune function or immune system special forces. And the G-bombs, G-B-O-M-B-S, stands for greens, beans, onions, mushrooms, berries, and seeds. So we're discovering, for example, inositol pentacus phosphate in beans that, that not only prevents cancer, but interferes with fat storage in the body. The same thing with mushrooms and berries. You know, pomegranates and berries have natural serotonin uptake inhibitors. They're, they're, they, they protect our brain against dementia. They promote good mood. The, you know, the onions and the greens have very powerful anti-cancer effects. The message here is that the same, that these same foods that have anti-cancer effects actually say, no way, Jose, I'm not letting you put fat on my body. So it's not just, you know, we've learned in recent years, it's not just eating less food and trying to exercise more. That's the formula for failure because if you're eating, cutting back on calories and you're not paying attention to the quality of the food you're consuming, you're going to be left with nutritional deficiencies that are going to promote more drives to overeat food. So now we're realizing that you can eat more food, and it's not that we're eating too much. We're, tech, we're, eating not, we're not eating the right food, and we're not taking in the right constellation of nutrients that, of course, you know, will start to heal the whole body. I remember when I was talking, I was talking at a talk um, this, a few days ago, and, and the person who got well from fibromyalgia through this, you know, through a nutritarian diet, she said it wasn't just that my pain went away. It was that I didn't have menstrual pain. I don't have anxiety. My allergies went gone, were gone. She said, you know, the whole body heals together. And the point is, is that... When you eat foods that are, that are on the body's immune system so powerfully, the body can do a lot of the self-repair from what you would think wouldn't necessarily be, you know, a nutritional problem. We'll recognize that all these things have nutritional implications, as well as anxiety, depression, aggressive behavior, criminal behavior, um, and ability to handle stress. In other words, um, so nutrition is foundational to the recovery of almost any disease. 
And you have this great section in, in the Eat to Live cookbook, Dr. Furman, uh, where you look at what you call the nutritarian food plate, and you divide a person's dinner plate into proportions based on what you think is the ideal amount of emphasis to place on different food groups. Can, can you talk about the food plate for us and, and so people can get a better idea of what they're eating mostly and what they're mostly avoiding? Sure. And, you know, keep in mind that I'm not so rigid that I'm saying, like, a certain amount has to be of this food or that food. You know, there's a broad range of acceptable, um, you know, foods and different proportions you could use. But generally speaking, you know, I mentioned before the American diet is 55% of calories from processed foods. And I'm saying, well, let's wipe them out. Sugar and white flour and, you know, cocoa puffs and soft drinks shouldn't be a part of your diet. should be, you know, rarely, if ever, eating those foods. And, And animal products you know, has to be decreased tremendously. That's 30% of the American diet. And to keep these hormones low, we have to cut that back by at least a third. So I have a maximum on animal products as 10% of total calories. Or you could do it on, you know, a person could follow a vegan nutritarian diet. But nevertheless, we're talking about reduction in animal products and reduction in processed foods. And then, well, then what are you eating if you're not eating animal products and processed foods? And that was Americans eating before. Well, we're eating a lot of different types of colorful vegetables. And I want people to put a big salad, a big um, sign on the refrigerator that the salad is the main dish. And one meal of the day, I want to have a big salad with tomatoes and a nut-based dressing and red onion and, you know, shredded cabbage. I want a big raw salad that's so many protective effects. And if we're talking here, of course, about eating colorful vegetables and colorful carbohydrates, bean dishes, um, squash dishes, you know, um, black or wild, you know, certain whole grains like, like you know, um, like wild rices and things. But, of course, and then, you know, fresh fruit. Fresh fruit, nuts and seeds, you know, and, and you'd be amazed at all the fantastic desserts and dressings you could make by using the natural fruit or dried fruit to flavor and sweeten the dessert, even whether it's be an ice cream or a, or a holiday cake. You could, you know, I just made a, uh, actually it was my 60th birthday party, um, was it yesterday? It was a day before yesterday. It was last night. I think it was, oh yeah, it was last night. And we served like a chocolate cake made that was from, you know, the healthy chocolate cake made with carrots and beets and zucchini and cocoa powder and a little whole grain flour and, um, and dates and a macadamia nut dressing with, you know. So the point is, is that these things don't even taste as good as their conventional counterparts. They taste better. They have flavors and you, you, and you can eat them with more enjoyment knowing they're good for you. Well, we made an ice cream by mixing some coconut and macadamia nut with a few dates and some, you know, natural vanilla bean and some frozen bananas or, you know, so. The point is, is that we, I can make a healthy version of all these traditional um, unhealthy foods people are eating and make a healthier version that you can feel good about eating and you can really enjoy eating even more. In case you just tuned in, we're talking today to Dr. Joel Furman about his latest book, Eat to Live Cookbook. So, Dr. Furman, uh, we, we're talking about minimizing animal products because of, of their uh, negative effects around insulin and around uh, cancer. How do you square that with the science around the the more fish we eat, the more it seems to be there are better health outcomes? Right. Well, the, the whole benefits of eating fish are really based on not the protein in fish, because we're understanding now that that was really the major mistake of nutritional scientists the last 30 years, was thinking that protein was more favorable, when in fact it's the high-protein um, mania that's fueling this epidemic of breast cancer today. So the, so the answer is, is that there is beneficial omega-3 fatty acids in fish, which we can, number one, take in omega-3 fatty acids from flax seeds, 
from walnuts, from chia seeds, you know, from other foods, and the body can convert it, make EPA and DHA to a degree. And now we can also take a supplement of EPA and DHA, a vegan one or a non-vegan one that's, you know, purified fish oil. But they make vegan ones that are made from algae where the fish get it from, where you can take some, eat a little bit of EPA and DHA to assure nutritional, that you're not deficient in anything if you're not eating fish. The problem with fish today is that the farm-raised fish is, is very polluted and has a lot of dioxin in it. Even the, you know, the FDA and the EPA rec- recommends us to watch dioxin exposure. And even you know, salmon, the farm-raised salmon, has significantly more, I think almost 10 times as much dioxin as commercial raised, commercially raised beef. And the dioxin is, is an issue. And they're, so, you know, the, the fisheries are, you know, our oceans are somewhat depleted in the sense that it's harder to get these fish. They're very expensive, and the farm-raised versions are not really healthy because they're feeding them a lot of chemicals and a lot of antibiotics and a lot of uh, natu- unnatural feeds, just like the, you know, just like the commercial-raised beef. So let's talk about some of the the cooking tips. I thought there were some really interesting uh, nuggets of wisdom in, in Eat to Live cookbook. One of them that it was really interesting to me was that it's always good to chop or blend our vegetables before cooking them. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Now, I'm not saying you need to chop or blend vegetables in general because there's no reason to chop or blend carrots and tomatoes and, you know, parsnips and turnips and corn and you know, and mushrooms and things like that, but it's particularly the green cruciferous vegetables, broccoli, kale, collards, turnip greens, you know, those foods kind of foods, broccoli, raw broccolini, cabbage. They form these ITCs, and the word I, the, the abbreviation ITC stands for isothiocyanides, which are the, are the most powerful anti-cancer phytochemical present in green vegetables. And their level of ITCs in your tissues are really, you know, um, linked to your longevity and, and your protection against cancer. So, but the ITC is not formed in the is not in the vegetable when it's picked. It's formed in the vegetable as the cell wall is broken. So, as you chew the vegetable in your mouth and you break the cell wall, you re- release an enzyme that catalyzes the conversion of the ITC as you're chewing. And if you heat the vegetable first and steam it, boil it, you know, otherwise cook it, you're going to deactivate most of that enzyme. And this is true for onion family too, like leeks and scallions and onions. There's an enzyme called alanase from the onion, it's heat sensitive. So to get maximum anti-cancer effects from onions and mushrooms, we're going to eat some raw, maybe put something raw in our salad so we can get those, acti- those enzymatic activity left over from the raw salad to work on the cooked vegetables we're eating as well. But also if we're making a soup, you know, blend the onion while it's still raw and blend some of the, you know, the broccoli rob or the, you know, the turnip greens or the collards or the kale into the, in the blender with a little bit of a little of soup liquid in there. Get, the, get it smelling in your kitchen. You know how onions make your eyes burn? Well, get this chemical reaction to start forming, and then you could put it in the soup because the cooking won't destroy the formation of those um, beneficial compounds. It just would have prevented them from forming to begin with. Once they're formed, the heat's not going to destroy them. So we're trying to get people to blend into puree or finely chop, especially the onion family and the cruciferous green vegetable family, to get maximum anti-cancer effects. And what is your, your opinion on the balance of raw versus cooked vegetables? Well, you know, I'm not really so critical on the balance because I think people should eat a lot of both. And I do want people to chew and eat a big salad every day. So I think, it, and just let me just give you an example. Besides lettuce and tomatoes, putting a little raw onion or a little bit raw broccoli or raw cabbage in your salad, a little bit eating raw goes a long way because you're, you're producing those beneficial enzymes when you eat it raw. And those beneficial enzymes then can be utilized by the broccoli, whether you cooked, or the onion that you ate cooked because the, the, the leftover enzyme is going to help convert the precursor 
to the final compound in your stomach and during digestion from the, from the little bit of raw you ate. So I want people to eat raw. You know, it could be a third raw, two-thirds cooked, or half raw, half cooked. It could be, you know, I'm not so particular, but I still want people to eat that one big salad every day and make it a main dish. And then they can have, you know, bean mushroom burgers, whole grains, fresh fruit, all types of different vegetables that are, you know, um, you know, we made a dish, you know, with, with um, butternut squash and can and flake cashews and cinnamon and nutmeg and you know, there's all types of kind of all, all types of um, you know, vegetable lasagnas and different types of delicious food that um, where the vegetables are the centerpiece of the meal, as opposed to making meat or chicken the centerpiece of the meal, and the vegetable being the side dish. These delicious side dishes are the centerpiece. And if you're using a little bit of chicken or shrimp or scallops, or using a little bit of animal product in your in your food, then you're putting a small amount in the food, to, like 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 the in Oriental cooking or in Asian cooking, you have a um, you know using the 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 animal product as a condiment, not as a major portion of the meal. Likewise, you know I can make a person a delicious burger if they really don't want to give up meat. If they love the flavor of meat so much, they can make a a mushroom bean burger with one ounce of chopped meat into it, and it tastes like meat. And you think you're eating meat, but it really is mostly vegetables and and um, and mushrooms. So you're trying to give people that to say to them, there's no more excuses. Give up that idea that, you know, you think you're going to give up pleasure in life. And also, you know, it's just a, a, an addict making rationalizations where people think, oh, I'm, I'm not going to eat healthy. I'd rather die younger. I'd rather have a shortened life and enjoy it more. I'm not going to sit here and worry about food and living longer when I, you know, which is just a, an addictive rationalization. It's like people actually, when they smoke cigarettes and say, they, you know, it's, it's, they think the cigarettes are relieving their stress. And they're gonna, instead of they, they don't recognize that the stress is exacerbated by poor health and by the cigarettes. And the same thing is true with food. The people that, you know, have the most um, opposition or objection to changing their diet are the ones that need it the most. And, you know, and you, and you obviously know that, um, that still 40% of Americans die of heart attacks and strokes. And the number one, the days of the year, which where we have to see the most heart attacks and strokes occur over the whole year, is December 25th, December 26th, and January 1st. That these big, you know, we binge out on these big meals, and it pushes the susceptible people right over to having a cardiac event. And that's, so we've got to get people to realize that, you know, they, that protecting their health is, the most, is one of the most important things in their life. It's going to, the foundation of their happiness is to take good care of their health. If you just tuned in, we're talking today to New York Times bestselling author Dr. Joel Furman about his latest book, The Eat to Live Cookbook. Dr. Furman, what are your thoughts on some of the uh, convenient ways of getting vegetables, say buying frozen vegetables or canned vegetables? Is there one that's a better uh, way to go in terms of nutrient quality and density? Yes. Frozen is the best over canned because the canned obviously soak in the liquid, and then and the can a lot of the cans have um, BPA in the lining. So I don't recommend people get tomato products in cans because especially you know beans in cans are okay because most of the bean companies don't put BHA in the can lining. Like Eden brand of beans don't have um and fig brand, you know fig beans and other stuff in the whole food in the in those boxes don't have BPA in their beans. But the but if you're buying tomato products in cans, the acidity. See, the beans don't, are not as acidic, so they don't need the plastic lining, but the plastic lining of BPA in the, um, in, the, in the tomato sauce gives you a significant BPA exposure, which has hormonal effects, which could be unhealthy. So you should only eat tomato products in glass. But other than that, um, generally speaking, frozen food is the best because frozen food is frozen when the product is, um, like the same day they pick it, 
they flash you know steam at the uh, the same day for like a minute or two, and then they freeze it, locking in the nutrients. So in many cases, frozen is even better than fresh. There's nothing wrong with using frozen broccoli and frozen artichoke hearts and frozen Brussels sprouts, and there's nothing wrong with you know buying frozen and, and particularly using frozen berries, frozen wild blueberries, frozen raspberries. Generally speaking, frozen berries are less than half the price of the fresh version, and they're still even more delicious because they're picked riper. So they taste really good. They're super healthy for you. They have dramatic brain protective effects in later life, and they have anti-cancer effects, and they taste great, and, and, they're, much, and they're less expensive than fresh berries, unless you can go pick your own and buy them in bulk, but they're generally much um, less expensive than buying fresh. You developed a label for Whole Foods Market that's called the Aggregate Nutri- Nutrient Density Index. Can, can you tell us what that's supposed to accomplish on the Whole Foods labels and, and maybe name a couple foods that are particularly excellent in that, in that regard? Right. The, it's, I call them the ANDI scores, which stands for, as you said, Aggregate Nutrient Density Index, which the word aggregate means you add up all the nutrients. And in this case, we've added up 26 nutrients the government puts out contained in foods. So instead of looking on, the, on a product like an apple or a piece of celery or a, or a carrot and saying, well, how much vitamin A or how much vitamin C, instead we give one number that represents 26 nutrients added up. So it's a much more accurate overall representation of what's the, the nutritional benefits of that food. And then, of course, you know, and then when you do that and you see that, you know, the nutrient levels that are present per calorie or per 100 calories in, in broccoli, in carrots, in tomatoes, in, in green vegetables, you see it's not just 10 times more nutritionally complete than would be something like chicken or white bread. It's not even 20 times. It's more like 40, 50 times more nutrients per calorie in these colorful vegetables that we should be eating. And, you know, it, it makes a, dis- a dramatic distinction of the mer- foods that most Americans are eating, like white potato and white rice and white bread and sugar and, you know, and, and animal products, where they're not getting these protective nutrients. The body is left dramatically um, nutritionally deficient. Even following, a, like, monkey, when, when um, scientists follow primates or monkeys around in the woods, they find that they consume 20 times more of certain nutrients that Americans are consuming in their natural habitat. And we need a lot of the, we need higher levels of these protective nutrients, not just the ones we've discovered, but the, the newly ones that the new ones and the ones that are going to be discovered in the future. So what I'm saying here is every strawberry has 700 different nutrients in it, maybe more. Every piece of broccoli maybe has more than 1,000 different nutrients in it. The point is, is that when we look at the these nutrients we have records of, the, what's very favorably, favorable and, and, um, and supportive is that the unknown and newly discovered nutrients are highest in the foods that have the highest amounts of the known nutrients. So essentially it's just a tool. Just the Andy score is just one tool to help motivate people to eat more vegetables, to eat more greens, to eat more cruciferous, to eat more tomatoes and onions and carrots and red peppers, and to, to eat more foods of color, showing them how nutritious these colorful foods really are. And it's interesting when you look at those scores also that vegetables and fruit and nuts and seeds and beans do much better even than whole grains, which you would think might do well, but really doesn't look like they do nearly as well as the the other uh, vegetable sources. Right. And, of course, I'm not saying nutrient density is the only thing we have to consider. For example, you know, mushrooms may not have a super high nutrient density because they don't have all those 26 nutrients, but they contain three specific factors, including angiogenesis inhibitors and aromatase inhibitors in mushrooms that are protective effects, powerfully protective against breast cancer. So there are some foods that are exceptions to the rule that may not be the super high foods, but are also important to consume in a small amount in their diet because they have powerful anti-cancer effects. And the same thing is true with seeds and nuts, especially the lignans from flax seeds and chia seeds and the, and the elegant acid in walnuts. In other words, 
there are certain seeds and nuts that are dramatically protective again, against longer life. Like, for example, there was a study that took women who had breast cancer, and they followed them for 10 years. And the one with a higher intake of lignans, it was only a third of a milligram of lignin a day, had a 71% decreased mortality from breast cancer over that um, 10-year period. So we're seeing that, and then likewise, there was a study on, on women and mushrooms, and people who consumed the 10 grams of mushrooms a day had a 64% lower risk of breast cancer than women consuming no mushrooms. The point is, is that certainly you don't want to wait till people will get cancer, because this, this earlier in life you start this, and starting it before you have cancer, the more protection you're going to get. As you wait longer and longer, and get the, the degree of protection decreases, but the Exciting thing is, even when people have cancer, we see dramatic longevity and beneficial protective effects. So, in other words, these foods are more protective and more beneficial than we ever thought was true in, in, in prior years. And, and you've mentioned also that you've seen a lot of people get off their prescriptions for diabetes and high blood pressure and high cholesterol when they follow the Eat to Live program in, in the cookbook. How, how common is that, and, and how long does it often take for people to achieve that? Well, you know, I, I run these immersion programs for companies in Whole Foods, and we see it that in the, in the end of the first week, the majority of people have reduced by their medications, their high blood pressure medications, by at least one within seven days. Within the first month, they're on the average of coming off two. Within the first week, they've cut their diabetic medications usually in half, and they're in the first three months. Most of them are off diabetic medications. I, you know, I wrote a book about the end of diabetes, which has my protocol for exactly getting people type 2 diabetics to get well again. You know, there's, um, so we're talking with a vast majority of diabetics, not type 1s and not the ones, the type 2s that have uh, are to no insulin left. But, of course, most of them, I'd say 90% of type 2s can make dramatic progress and even become non-diabetic, which means that their blood sugar levels could be favorable without needing medication. And so we're saying here that heart disease like chest pains and high blood pressure and high cholesterol are reversible. And typically it takes, if a person's having chest pain, on a nutritarian diet, we see the chest pain resolve in most cases within three months' time. And, that, and within that three-month period, they may have lost 30, 40 pounds, you know, and they may be a, com a completely safer category of health. And you can't, degree, you can't achieve that degree of safety with medications, and certainly you can't achieve that degree of safety with angioplasty or bypass surgery, which are just like Band-Aids, because people undergoing those procedures for stable coronary artery disease don't have lifespan benefits, and they and get a lot of restenosis. And so the, the disease, the underlying disease process continues to advance unless people make a radical change in their diet stuff. And then we did a study on... Um, on the, on the nutritarian diet with cholesterol lowering, and it found that in six weeks' time, it dropped LDL cholesterol more than 33%, published in the medical journal Metabolism, which was more powerful, more dropping of cholesterol than with our cholesterol lowering drugs, number one. And number two, you get more benefits because you have anti-inflammatory effects. You have the LDL molecule gets bigger and fluffier and less inflammatory prone. It improves the apoproteins. So we're talking here about profound benefits that, that statins can't compete with. So, Dr. Furman, I'm, I'm sure you've, you've piqued our listeners' interest today. Can you, can you point us to a website uh, to f end off the show today? Thank you. Yeah, my website is drfurman.com, and that's D-R-F-U-H-R-M-A-N.com. And I'm looking forward to people to really making this a super healthy and holiday season and not gaining the five to eight pounds this year like most people gain other years. And really, you know, t you know I'm saying to people, let's turn over a new leaf. It's not too late and not too early. This is the time for us to take this information and put it into action. Well, it's great having you on Health Watch today, Dr. Furman. Oh, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. It was great.
We are talking today with Dr. Joel Furman, the author of the Eat to Live Cookbook. You've been listening to Health Watch. I'm Dr. David Naiman, your host. If you missed part of today's program, you can go to kboo.fm slash healthwatch or to the iTunes podcast store and type in healthwatch as one word. Stay tuned for the rest of the Monday morning radio zine. Thank you.